Welcome to Off the Rip with your hosts that front like they know the most. We talking smack about whoever and whatever is currently on our minds. We ain't no experts, so don't get hurt if we say something that rubs you the wrong way. This is a place where ideas get thrown out and tossed around. If you can't take the heat, get up out the kitchen. We about to serve them up. It's Reem D, Mook, and Shiz. Off the Rip. Nothing in common. Nothing to say, nothing to comment. Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up? What's up, Shiz? What's up, bro? Reem, what's cracking, baby? Good, what's good? Mook, how we doing? Good, and yourself? I'm good, thank oh, you, everybody. He didn't, you, he didn't call you sir this time. Oh. Last time he was like, what's up, sir? I'm like, don't call this nigga sir, bro. Yo, respect <laughs> my gangster, bro. How many times I got to tell you? <laughs> how many times I got to tell you? Little punk. Anyways, so... Um, let's catch up on WandaVision, yo. This was uh episode six. Episode six. Um, let's just do highlights. And for those listening, this is gonna be very spoiler heavy. So you can skip this section or uh pause it, go watch it, and come back. But uh let's go with some highlights and then we'll do some some uh general chit chat about the show. Um I think a highlight for me was my suspicion around um what's her name agnes mm-hmm. and uh I, I think wanda was saying something she said something to the kids she said don't go beyond a street ellis street and vision saw agnes trying to leave or she was getting ready to go beyond it and then he like tapped into her uh her mind or something like that mm-hmm. but she was like completely out of it which threw me for a loop but then when he put her back, he said, I'm going to get you out of this. And she says, OK. And then she turns around. So that was like weird to me. Right. That she didn't just freeze up again. Yeah. 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 So there's something up with her. This was like a wrench in my this was a wrench in my plan because I thought that she was a little more evil. But now it's showing that she may not have as much order or say in the situation as I thought originally. That's true. Mm, I see what you're also- saying. I also thought it was, I don't know if it was something weird that I'd noticed, but I remember when they were originally, uh, what's the what's the girl, the computer um, girl? Darcy. I forget her name. Darcy. When she was looking at the map of like all of um, the town and she said West like, View. do you notice how these, yeah. She's like, do you notice how these areas, nobody's uh, moving. So everybody else in like the center of town was Halloween. I mean, doing, you know, trick or treating and stuff like that. Everybody's moving. And obviously at that outskirt of the town, nobody was moving. So I was wondering if it was, I forgot what episode they had mentioned about how, you know, if she really has this much power to, you know, be working this whole city. So I was thinking maybe that's the part of the city that like she can't control just because, you mm. know, her powers aren't as strong. So then when he went there and saw everybody was just like standing there, like looking like, you know, like if you've ever been to like, the edge of like a video game or something like that. You know, like there's like a certain point that you can't go past. Mm-hmm. That's what I envisioned the whole time when um, I saw that, uh, noticed that in the episode. Everybody was doing the Black Beatles challenge. <laughs> exactly. And we also <laughs> see kids. Right. From last episode, Vision pointed out, where are all the kids, Wanda? And then on this episode, all of a sudden, the whole city, the whole town, everybody's trick-or-treating with their kids out. Uh, Reem, what about you? Um, my first thought was the the commander dude is a dickhead. I just don't like him. Hayward, but I knew that already. Yeah, Hayward. Yeah, but he he just he, he affirmed that 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 for me. Um, but what I also thought was uh, Pietro. You know something? I, I don't. Something's very off about him. And just like the comments that he was making to Wanda, especially towards the end when they're sitting in in the middle of the town center. Um, you know, Wanda's having the flashbacks. He's kind of making comments like he's aware of what's happening, but then he also seems like he's not as aware as everybody else. So he yeah. he's kind of throwing me off and it's got me thinking, you know, how does he fit into this whole uh, TV show type control thing that's going on? And and Wanda also mentions, um, she's like, what happened to your accent? Yeah, he's like, what happened to your accent? Right. <laughs> I thought right. that was funny. Um, but... So, yeah, I have a Quicksilver theory on why it's Evan Peters, and I'll just run it by y'all real quick. I think it's Evan Peters because, as she said, uh, when she's in episode five, when she's talking to her kids about she can't bring the dog back, 
because once things die, they die. They're dead. Um, they can't come back. Clearly, Vision is an exception because he's a, he's part machine. So mm-hmm. I, I see how you can bring him back somehow. But even then, you see once he leaves the perimeter, yeah, he can't. He has to, in order for him to be alive, he has to stay in the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Then he dies as soon as he leaves. But I think the reason why Pietro looks different or why they quote unquote recast Pietro is because she's saying when you die, you die. So instead of that version of Pietro coming back, a new version has to come, a one that looks different mm. and one that has a that has a little bit different memories. Probably I'm guessing some sort of interdimensional because again, he's from the X-Men universe, but mm. he's not. But again, when you hear them talking, he doesn't mention any of the X-Men stuff. And they have, they have a flashback as kids. And she's like, that's not how I remember it. Yeah. But very Quick question. What was the last episode? What was the bait? What was the basis of the last episode? I'm trying to remember something. Because the basis that, of the last episode was the kids growing up and aging quick. And that was dog, the 80s, though, right? Yeah, that was the so 80s, I did 90s. My, yeah, okay. Because I did 80s, my 90s. research because this was um Malcolm in the Middle. That was yeah. the TV show. That was this yep. episode. But yep. I was like, so I like looked it up. Malcolm in the Middle started in 2000. So I was curious, like, why they never really did like a 90s so-called TV show. Because, you know, like, each era, it seemed like they kind of did a specific era, but, like... I think because I mean, the 80s like, and 90s were just so similar in terms yeah, of sitcoms. Okay. Yeah. Because so even say, they like, did maybe... Full House. Full House started in the late 80s and ended in the 90s. Mm. Yeah. Because I thought it was, like, an Even Stevens when they started off. I was like, this could be, yeah. like... Yeah, that was Malcolm in the Middle for sure. I knew that. I was like, this could be, like, <laughs> a Even Stevens, like, Disney Channel. That was so, the first thing I looked at that yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was even Steven. Mm-hmm. And then Dahlia looked it up. It's like, nah, it's Malcolm in the Middle. I was like, okay, it makes sense. But, you know, even Stevens could be taken from, you know, everything's. Or Phil in the future. Everything is uh, not new. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, yeah, so I was <laughs> I was definitely intrigued and psyched. I think my my highlight is, again, the end. Um, and, again, because of Hayward's actions, Kareem, when you talk about Hayward and how he's just. Uh, really just oblivious and he keeps trying to poke keeps, keeps making the situation worse poking a bear mm. right. so as I mean, as monica was saying like yo she could be this if wanda is the problem then wanda is the solution mm. and he's going in and antagonizing her it's almost like is he antagonizing her on purpose mm. right because and, and now you see that she's she made the perimeter even bigger that shit was crazy yeah yeah so that she shit was nuts vision. Who vision went to the edge and he tried to get out. Also, the kids, um, the kids got their powers and in their costumes. Everybody's costume in this was dope because these were like their classic costumes that they had in the comics. Mm. Uh, so oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. yeah so um, and then it's it's canon that her two kids have the same powers as her and her uh, twin brother. So that's why one has speed and one has like um, seemingly like telepathy or some sort of. Uh, powers in the same way that Wanda has, because so, he heard right. He heard. Uh, he heard yeah. right. So, so they have similar powers, but not the same. Because he was able to hear Vision, but she couldn't, because she needed him to focus in order, in order for, uh, in order for her to find out where Vision was. Does he have Vision's powers? She didn't even. Well, she didn't know where she he didn't even was know what was knew, happening. Right. And knew, she knew he, he they wouldn't be able to find him in time. So instead, she just expanded the the zone because she had no idea where on the outskirts he was. Yeah, that was smart. That was that was that crazy. Was, that was that was that smart, was but that was intense, too, because yeah, as you're like as it's going back and forth, you see vision just chipping away like kind of some end game shit. And then, you know, Wanda's like, you need to focus. You need to tell like that. That was intense. And you just it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't mean to backtrack, but do you think Agnes potentially worked for uh, what is it, Shields or whatever, the the agency? Because we still she don't know said, who the missing person is. Because she said, because she said, um, like you're in a, like you're with the Avengers or something like that, and Vision yeah, couldn't put it Avengers. together, and then she was just like going off, and then he. But everybody knows who the Avengers are. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. They're like, that they're... was an interesting point too. Shiz, is the fact that she must have revived Vision before he was aware of the Avengers or whatever. However, that happens. Ooh, yeah. So he, he no came back after he of... died. So clearly, after he died, he has no recollection of before he died of the mm-hmm. of the Avengers here. Yeah. yeah. So it's not the stuff. same Vision from the Vision right. that we've seen that has been in all the movies, pretty much. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like she took an earlier version of him somehow, or he just doesn't have the most recent memories of, uh, you know, of 
Ultron of Endgame of all that stuff. Yeah. And then lastly, also, I wanted to say honorable mention for highlight was Jimmy Woo throwing down. Oh, uh, yeah. They got busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they got busy. I was like, oh, he can fight? <laughs> that was pretty Why'd you dope. tell me the plan? <laughs> that shit is funny. <laughs> oh, and lastly, lastly, we also are getting a hint at Monica Rambeau and her abilities because they said as you phase through and phase back, you know, it changes your whole molecular structure. And Dr. Darcy's like, well, this could potentially kill you if you go back. And then I'm really excited to see who the astrophysicist is because they keep, um, they keep, or the, the aerodynamics engineer, I forget what the name is, but they keep uh, highlighting that person. So I'm hoping it's a big cameo. So yeah, give it a star, star rating out of seven. And then we can move forward. I'm going to go six. I thought it was a very good episode. I'm gonna go with six. Dude, I'm 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 going seven out of seven. I'm loving it. Yeah. It's must it's must see TV for me. Like I can't oh, wait till Friday. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely must see TV. But I'm saying my favorite was obviously what is the episode was I think it was five. Episode four, I think, was your favorite. Four, four, yeah. I mean that episode set the bar so high and obviously the episodes are like meeting meeting it, but episode four I hold to such you know, I've held every other episode such high standards like, I think every episode is very good but like four is just that much better than everything else I, in my opinion so far that you know I can't give another episode of seven can we expect the modern family version right or an office type you know yeah. a mockumentary I, yeah. I'd assume that would be next because that's what dominates sitcoms now yeah. parks and rec and all that jazz I'm gonna give it a seven out of seven looking forward go, to Friday uh, hmm. I'm gonna go six point five. It's it's right there. Awesome. And and Rashawn, you're gonna get your wish. Wandavision's last three episodes will each be an one hour. hour long. Yes. Let's go. I did see that. Let's go. Alrighty. But yeah. So that's gonna conclude our Wandavision segment for today on Off the Rip. All right. So that has been our entertainment for the week. Let's talk about stuff that's a little more serious. Um, we have a bevy of topics that have to do with black in the culture this week uh first we can start with aunt jemima anybody familiar with aunt jemima yep talking about the syrup yeah the syrup <laughs> talk about the syrup yeah, so aunt jemima uh was a mascot or a figure or a, a model that was used for um syrup and and other breakfast items i don't know pancakes maybe i don't know yeah pancakes and so clearly the, the image is of a uh, mammy, which is a stereotype of a black portly woman. And uh, that comes from, again, slavery, racist times. And with all this new hoopla this year about people and companies specifically trying to be social justice companies or be uh, aware or politically correct, there's been a lot of revision on how these companies are coming out and marketing to um, us consumers. And with Aunt Jemima, they've finally decided that the image that has been racist for so long was finally too racist. So they decided to change it. And they changed it from Aunt Jemima to the Pearl Milling Company. The brand is owned by PepsiCo and it was around for 131 years. Wow. So that shit is nuts. Yeah. Since 1888. Right. And and uh, the family uh, of the models, there's two models who are used for the Aunt Jemima image. And those families, they don't, they, they would rather have their the people who modeled those, their ancestors, whoever their relatives were, their older relatives were, who were those models, they want them to be honored now on the, on the uh, branding or with the company instead of just being monetarily compensated because that image helped build that brand. So instead of using that image in a negative connotation, the family's asking to be celebrated and uh, just to be remembered as a part of the history that built uh, such a staple um, in our breakfast lives. So I was wondering what y'all thought about that. It's funny because um, I don't know if I told you about this. I had an uh, argument with somebody on Facebook. And, you know, you generally try to stay away from arguments on Facebook. But it was somebody had made a post about 
Um, this was around the time that the Washington Redskins were Washington football team was changing their name from the Redskins. And then somebody was like, I don't get why we're changing the name of the Redskins now. I don't get how it's racist and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, this person was of a Caucasian descent, so they didn't understand what the problem is by calling a Native American person a Redskin. So I was like, obviously, you're just not understanding it. So then the conversation got back to Aunt Jemima. He was like, I still call it Aunt Jemima. I was like, Aunt Jemima was, it's a racial stereotype you know, off of like a black, you know, um, black um, enslaved um, mother. And we had like this whole back and forth and stuff like that. So you were tr- I was trying to educate him as much as possible, but you know, when some people are so set in their ways, they're never going to change their mindset for this reason. So I was like, yo, it's Facebook. pretty much, exactly. So I was like, at this point, I'm literally arguing with the wall. So then other people even jump in in this conversation and they're trying to explain to him. And this person's like, I'm still going to do what I want to do. So I was like, you know what? There's no point of having this argument with me, with him, because obviously some people will never understand it from another person's perspective. I just thought it was funny that, you know, this has actually come out when we had this conversation at the time, because this was really relatively before the, the, um, the talks of uh, the uh, name change. But I think that's interesting, too, because people always ask, like, why is this happening now? But they're not asking, like, should this be happening at all? Mm. And I feel like that's kind of the conversation is like, um, people are like, why are they changing the Redskins name now? Uh, why are they, you know, talking about Aunt Jemima now? But, you know, like that to me isn't as important as like, are these things racial stereotypes or are they, you know, bias or are they, you know, just hurtful to certain groups of people to the point where they should be changed? And I feel like that argument of like, well, what's the point of doing this now? What's the point of changing that now is like to take away from the point that we're bringing attention to this and that this is, you know, disrespectful. This is insensitive to certain groups. And, uh, you know, that's what we're focusing on. It's not that, oh, we're doing it in 2021. It's that, you know, Aunt Jemima, like this is a racist stereotype that's been around for, what was it, 131 years? And yeah. people just continue to look at it and think nothing of it. Like, so we're bringing attention to it now, but that's irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. Like, this is something that people have been talking about for a while now and they're choosing to do something about it now, but this issue has been going on for a long, long time. Forever. Man, cancel culture is a motherfucker too. People being canceled. So it's just like, yo, I need to get ahead of the curve. You know, I got to put out something. I got to donate some money to, you know, support the black community so that this shit doesn't backfire on me. I think a lot of it is, could be, you know, just like this veil of, you know, let's just act like, you know, we support a specific cause or a specific movement so that this doesn't affect us. Because because now it's about the bottom line or the red line or the profit line. Right. And the the, the community, the black community, the, the buying power is we spend the most money not within our community. And now it's getting to the point where if we organize, you know, we can cause a serious debt in some people's pockets if we decide that we're not going to spend our money there. Mm-hmm. And so now it's it's not just beneficial it's cost necessary um and just for some more history the Anchamama name came from an 1875 song in a minstrel show where people were blackface uh, had aprons on and bandana and headbands again as Mook said and as I said previously coming from the mammy stereotype the mammy being the the servant um who was inside the house again portly large not sexual uh, so it wasn't seen as a threat to the to the white um, to the white wife of the master, and um, so the master wouldn't be sleeping around with that uh, black woman because she was not threatening. And so that's where you get that look of the mammy and Aunt Jemima. And also, um, you talk about the lip service that companies are doing. You said Pepsi, Pepsi has pledged five million to, of a commitment to support the black community. Pepsi also just got in trouble for that. Really, really tone deaf commercial that they had with Kendall Jenner when she was giving a Pepsi to um, a cop in riot gear to make it seem like we should come together for police brutality. I don't know what Pepsi was trying to say, but that was very tone deaf by Pepsi and Kendall Jenner. Um, Also uh, other companies are falling in line like uncle Ben's rice. Uh, Uncle Ben, that being, if you can imagine um, Samuel L. Jackson and Django uh, being the uncle Tom, uh that's that stereotype of the older again 
non-threatening, submissive, uh, weak black slave who was in the house there for the masters. And it's actually really interesting. Um, Saturday Night Live had a really funny skit about this. And Dave Chappelle was um, starring in this episode. And it was about <laughs> how uh, they were mad that they were getting fired uh, yeah. <laughs> for all this time. And which is kind of the same sentiment that the family has about, okay, now you're just going to erase us completely and say that we weren't there and had anything to do with this history. Like you can't just put a blanket over this and say that it didn't happen, that we weren't racist. You need to acknowledge your history while also celebrating us. And uh, yeah, that just goes with integrity. And we talk about Dave Chappelle again being on that episode. And, and recently, uh, Dave Chappelle, someone who we talk about often, he could be on our bingo. Dave Chappelle also just got his Netflix show uh, back on, back. I'm sorry, not his Netflix show. Dave Chappelle got The Chappelle Show back onto Netflix. And now he's getting paid. Uh, retroactively for all of that and so he's bringing it back to the platform and uh, he released a a video on Instagram where he came and thanked his bosses and I think that's funny because when I say his bosses he thanks the people Mm. Uh, the way that Dave frames it is that uh, Dave doesn't work for any of those people Dave works for the people the people decide what is good and what is bad the people decide what to spend their money on and what not to spend their money on. So he doesn't answer to anybody but us. And so Dave came forth and said, thank you. Because when he previously asked and what we previously covered that he wanted to get his show taken down from streaming platforms because he wasn't getting paid for it, people stopped watching it and uh, the streaming network started listening. And again, is it because of lip services or is it because they know that there there's potential loss in money if they don't make Dave Chappelle happy? Yeah, can't tell you either or. The fact is that it happened, and I'm just glad that it happened. And that's a testament to Dave Chappelle's integrity. I see that he's still on um, HBO Max. Yeah, they he's, well. they said they were going to take it down in a month or so. Oh, they're like, yeah, we're trying to get these we these these quotas before we take it down. <laughs> I make this bread. We trying to get this bread. Yeah, we take it down, Dave. Hold on. Thank you. I I hope that he comes up with the. Uh, Another sketch show. I it's mean, just funny how they're gonna they're gonna wait, they're gonna take it down after Black History Month. Stay woke, fellas. <laughs> Stay ah, woke. You might be on something. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it down in March. I mean, shout out to Dave though. He continues to be a model for you know for how to do this whole business thing and you know, with his content and how he chooses to to put it out there and when he chooses to put it out there. Like we we've talked about it a couple of times, like Dee said, but shout out to how he's doing it, how he's handling it. Yeah, that fifty million that he walked away from twelve years ago, he's tripled that now. You think so? He, yeah, absolutely, definitely. Just along with Netflix, he has a sixty million dollar deal. Shit. Well, and, and also, I don't know that he thought about it this far, but by walking away from a deal that big at that time, that was like monumental, and so it kind of created this like, whoa, why would he do something like that? What was going on? So when he came back, it kind of made it even a bigger deal. Like, Dave, please tell us why you walked away. Please tell us what was going on. So he kind of created this um, kind of allurement for himself that like, mm. well, he did this back then, like when 50 million was, well, like, you know, like it just seems like, again, not that he planned all this out, but it definitely made it such a bigger deal that he did it the way he did it. Yeah. And, and, and that's and that's leverage now. Like most people can threaten and bluff, yo, I'll walk. Hey, Dave Chappelle's really like, no, I'll walk, walk, and I'll go to Africa. <laughs> yeah, y'all, see my, y'all see my track <laughs> record, right? <laughs> like, that's and, the uh, thing, too, because like yeah. during that time, my fault be like some of his, his own people were like, yo, this dude's crazy for doing that, but like he, he protected his creativity, he knew his worth at that time. Yeah, 50 million 12 years ago is not 50 million today. Either. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, he gets 20 million per Netflix release. I think he has had three specials. So, yeah, so $60 million Netflix deal. Respect. And then he's now he's getting paid oh, for five specials. Never mind. He has five specials coming up on Netflix. So, uh, yeah, and now he's getting <laughs> the paid for bag, Dave. Yo, he yeah. is getting the bag, bag. bro. Recoup that real quick. Recoup right. that real quick. But you see that he out in Ohio. He's like, yo, I'm done with Hollywood. Like, if y'all want to do it, it's COVID right now. I know, but still, like, he was just like, yo, if y'all want to do something, come out here. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's he's making his own joint yeah. out in Ohio. Um, yep. 
people in general, the pandemic has messed up major cities, has messed up LA, New York, all these yeah. places. Because people are like, why do I need to be there paying all these taxes? And I don't get any of the benefits from being in a major city like this when it's shut down. That's a fact. So, so I mean, so, and side note, just real quick, that's affected like almost everything at this point. Like at the company I work at, we recently just hired a clinician that lives in California and she is providing therapy services for our clients here in Massachusetts. And all because COVID, everything's on telehealth now. Like, mm. you know, we it allows the company to hire anywhere. Um, we have because a, everything's online. We have a counselor who's in Minnesota right now. Been in Minnesota since March. <laughs> since since March, and he's, and still he's working, running right? running sessions. He's, he's running circles around the rest of us yeah. with his documentation, yeah. his engagement. <laughs> <laughs> he's the furthest Facts. away. But um, <laughs> Reem, like cool thing about it. Yeah, I mean, just like the whole work structure. Like my dad and his company, they just got rid of. They were like leasing a building, but they just got rid of the building, and they're all they can all work from anywhere. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like it, I think we've talked about this, but it is going to be crazy to see what happens when things start to get back to whatever normal is, you know, like how companies adjust if uh, telehealth and online, you know, services and things like this working from home is going to be a thing or if they're going to say, nah, you're going to come back to the office, you know, you're going to come back to, you know, whatever. It'll be interesting to see how, how companies respond. Personally, I think that that's going to be the new wave. Companies yeah. are like, well, we can save money by having a lot of people work from home and maybe just have like a smaller, you know, a small, you can get a smaller building, like maybe an office for us. I mean, depending on, obviously, depending on what your business is, but if they don't technically need to have a central workspace, yeah. what's the purpose of having a central workspace? And then in return, that could, you know, that could go into people's salaries and stuff. Like, why do I have to pay for a centralized location when I could just use that money? to pay more people all right let's get back yeah. on topic <laughs> great. off the rip doc great great off the rip segment, <laughs> so since we're talking about figures of the culture uh it is black history month and we decided that we we're going to do an off the rip highlight of some black history figures that we wanted to share uh with y'all uh who've impacted our lives or who we just want to put a spotlight on uh, who wants to go first? I'll start off. Um, so, so the person that I wanted to highlight this week is uh, a more local figure. It was a professor of mine at uh, Wheelock College at the time. Wheelock College now, what is it? A program under BU? Yep, or, uh, Boston University. Under BU. So uh, his name is Carlos Hoyt, um, and he's a licensed independent clinical social worker and has a PhD in in social work. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring him up is just because he he was the first black professor, black teacher that I remember having um, really in my entire life um, throughout my undergrad and throughout my master's program and even in high school. So he was really the first man of color that I saw teaching and educating. And then the fact that he was also a social worker um, just stood out to me so much more. Um, and, and the classes he taught uh, had to do around uh, racial inequalities around equity and inclusion. Um, and then some, you know, some general like social work, uh, children and families topics, um, social dynamics, things like that. But really what stood out was just like it, him being a male in this field, you know, and just being able to see a black educator. And he was somebody that definitely kind of stands out to me as far as just um, a person that, you know, was there to educate, really enjoyed talking to people, really enjoyed talking to students and trying to just push conversations. He was a great communicator and he was somebody, he is a great communicator, he's still mm. Um, But he just, you know, he, he allowed us to have some really great conversations in, in school. And I really appreciated that part of my education, just being able to have somebody um, like that. And I think our class did too. And, you know, I, I, I hope to see more black educators. I hope to see more people of color, especially men, in roles where they're teaching and, and supporting youth. Um, but, but again, he was somebody that definitely had an impact on, on my life in terms of just being someone that, you know, not like I had a, a very close relationship with him, but somebody that I could look up to um, in mm. terms of my field and somebody that I had a lot of support from during my time um, at, at Wheelock. So I wanted to give a shout out to, to Dr. Hoyt 
Um, I know he's still teaching at a couple different schools right now, but definitely somebody that um, I'm sure has impacted a lot of people, but, but for sure impacted me. My uh, person I chose um, is Warwick Dunn, um, NFL running back, uh, retired. I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was a very good running back for the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers, Falcons, and he played for somebody else. But what I really wanted to point out was he established the um, Homes for Holiday program and the Warwick Dunn um, charities. So the Homes for um, ho um, Holiday program is um, basically a program that allows um, pretty much first-time um, single single um, family single parent families um, get housing. And um, actually, in one of his um, housing projects, um, Deshaun Watson had grown up in. So he um, he's done a lot of um, you know getting kids um, you know getting families in the Atlanta area um, household that I think that um, he uh, he needs his uh, roses for what he did uh, in that community down there. Word, thanks. Um, I can go with mine, and I wanted to talk about you know I love superheroes. I'm a geek, comic book geek, and also it relates to uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've been talking about. The next show that's going to come up after WandaVision is going to be The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Why I want to highlight The Falcon in Black History Month is because The Falcon, um, his name being Sam Wilson, is a fictional superhero. And he is the first African-American superhero in mainstream comic books, right? Just to give you a brief description of the comic book character... Uh, the superhero Falcon uses mechanical wings to fly and has a limited telepathic and empathetic control over birds. Uh, he shows up in Captain America um, and then he uh, went on to have his own series uh, and he was he was created by uh, Stan Lee and Stan Lee is if you don't know he's the old dude that pops up in almost every superhero movie or every Marvel movie. He has a little cameo um, and he came around in the late 1960s. Um, Stanley and Gene Collin uh, were the two co-creators of this character. Uh, both of them are white, but in the late 1960s, when the Vietnam War and civil rights protests were regular occurrences, uh, Stan Lee wanted to be at the forefront of things and he wanted to bring these issues into comics. And uh, during the time, there was a lot of black exploitation comics going around too. And so they took that along with combining the current issues and, and they brought him into Captain America. And so he was the first hero in mainstream comics, black hero in mainstream comics. Um, but then Luke Cage was the first black superhero to have his own series. Uh, I know I'm mentioning Luke Cage now, but uh, that's just, that's just uh, a little tidbit of history for you right there on uh, black superheroes and it ties in because we're going to be seeing him on disney plus after wandavision is done and i'm really excited for that uh series as well there's a dope super bowl trailer for it if anybody got to see that but yeah sam wilson aka the falcon black history month boom boom i would like to bring frederick allen hampton to this space a black activist a revolutionary socialist and the chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Man, I watched his movie yesterday, Judas and the Black Messiah. I encourage everybody to watch it. And it just kind of shows how J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI fucked with these revolutionary oh, they're parties. Evil. They're evil. Evil people. Um, and what I didn't know was he was 21 years old when he passed away. The man was powerful. Um, so I really I, I just want to honor him. But I, I, I want to go into more detail when you guys watch the movie. Uh, but I just want to honor him in this space because it was just it was an amazing movie. Um, and they definitely deserve in an Academy Award, an Oscar for the, the soundtrack. Um, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, actually. Um, it's actually really funny. There's a person from my high school who worked on this movie, you know, I was always nice to him in high school. We was, we was kind of boys, you know what I'm saying? So uh, he was, his name is Zeke Forrester and he's listed as a post-production assistant on the movie. 
That's dope. And so when I was when I was looking at the credits, I was I had to do a double take, and then I went on Facebook and saw that that was actually people were talking about it on Facebook too. So shout out to Zeke, um, way to go! This movie's great, and Fred Hampton, um, Fred Hampton is again because of because of his age and what he was doing. It's just like man, they just don't build people like that no more. Building coming together with all the different gangs. Going to the white people, going to the Puerto Rican. That's 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 what I, I don't want to spoil it for uh, those. That's that's you can look that up. That's not yeah spoiling. yeah yeah no. That's but I'm just saying like, but even within the movie, like the fact that he was going to some of these like poor white communities and he was getting them on board, the dude was just bad. Like he was like g- like bad. He understood it bad. on like, a he, different yeah, level. Yeah yeah. He, he understood just, it on a different level. He was the prophetic. way he just exactly but, the way he could just connect with anybody and everybody was just. It was amazing to see. And then that's why you you know why they had to kill him. Exactly. That's why that's why he was too dangerous to keep alive. 99 shots fired by the cops. One defensive shot fired from the Black Panther Party on the night that he died. The night that he was assassinated. The night he was assassinated. Huh? Yes. That's you what that was. Assassinate. And shout out to Hove and Nip too for making that song on the soundtrack. Facts. Shout out to everybody on that project. Yeah, really good soundtrack, as Rashawn said. Uh, that concludes our Black History Month segment on Off the Rip. So uh, the Super Bowl happened. The Super Bowl certainly happened. Uh, anybody want to walk back any takes? Because some people was talking pretty yeah. spicy on Yo, here. Yo, there was some people talking I, I, spicy so on here. Me included, I, me included. So, so <laughs> with all fairness, I did not recognize until probably like right after, um, probably like, hour before the game i'd heard that um the right ta- the both tackles of the chiefs were out in the super bowl so i was like damn that sounds pretty crazy but i was like uh you know i don't know how bad it's gonna be i didn't realize that you know the chiefs line is so depending on these two guys so i mean i was completely wrong but you know shout out to tom brady um i'm pretty sure i did say on the podcast though that I did want to see Brady win because no, I don't we like got the fact check that because you was talking hella spicy. I definitely said I wanted the Buccaneers. We're gonna have to now, run that I back. I think they were gonna win, not. But hey, yeah, I but... wasn't too off on how many points the Chiefs scored. I mean, uh, the the uh, Bucks scored. I said twenty four on the video. <laughs> so you I was said it was gonna be like a high scoring game. Yeah, I didn't know it was gonna be high scoring for one team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I also thought the Chiefs were gonna win. I thought it was gonna be thirty five seventeen. I was very very wrong. Um, like you, Mook, finding out that halfway through the haircuts, these two dudes got or the barber had COVID, and these two offensive linemen are out, and that Andy Reid was playing the offensive line in every position in practice. I was like, oh, that, that, that can't go well. And uh, also that Patty Mahomes had turf toe and needed to get surgery after the game. And yeah, he was I've hurt. sprained my big toe before and being trying to walk is awful. So I can't imagine playing a football game. Probably had him perked up all that Vicodin and cortisone. The fact that the uh, the defense kept on applying pressure too, they were rushing. It seemed like they were rushing him every single play too. They knew who to attack. Yeah, that's the game plan. You find out you're starting left and right tackle uh, yeah. out. The coach instantly you're going says, right in the head. Like that, we're yeah. bringing pressure pressure every play like that. Yeah, but the thing about it is, they were smart too because they weren't sending any blitzes. Like I want to say, like they blitzed. Like they didn't. I want to say, like they blitzed like a very low percentage of the time. It was they knew where to attack every time. They were like, okay, mm. we're just going to send stunts and we're going to make sure that the ends are going to we're like keep Mahomes in the pocket, get guys in coverage to take away first and second reads so that we have to make guys have to travel for a long time. Because Mahomes ran for – they said something like he ran for 497 yards That's before crazy. throwing a pass. Yeah. Like he was running for his life the whole game. So they knew exactly what they were doing. It was like, all you have to do is take away his first reads and then make the play last long because after that, our pressure is going to get there every single time. And that's exactly what happened that Super Bowl. So, you shout like out to... Try to give Tyreek Hill the ball in, like, different ways. Yeah. No, the, the Bucks had a great game plan in how they decided to cover Tyreek. Like, they 
they, they bracket him almost every single play. And I don't know why teams didn't do that more, but obviously that is an effective way to take out one of the fastest men in the league is just bracket him. You know, it was great to fair. see the expatriates get on the board too. I think Gronk had yeah. two touchdowns. AB had one. Um, you really calling AB an expatriate? Yeah, AB I'm, can I'm, be I'm an calling him an expatriate. Yeah, one I would call him that. Technically, he had a technically yes. Yo, Leonard Fournette is an expatriate too. He stepped in Massachusetts, right? Like, come on now, yo. Tom Brady. Tom Brady picked them. He took. That's what. That's what I said at the. End of the first quarter, he took the Chiefs' heart. Yeah, him nah, and uh, Tyran. Yeah, he took their heart. It nah, was a he wrap. Took their heart. They took. They took the heart in the second quarter with that last drive. When I knew it was a mistake, when Kansas City called the timeout on the, th- I think it was like they called the timeout to go in the third and two. Yeah. And it was like, because the Buccaneers were okay with like, okay, we're just gonna kill the clock because I think they got the ball to start the second half if I'm not mistaken. So they were like, all right, let's just kill the clock. We'll go into halftime, whatever. So Kansas City was like, nah, we want to get a chance to score again because they had all three timeouts. And they used that timeout, gave up a first down. The very next play, Mike Evans gets the pass interference called down the field. Then the pass interference in the end zone, and then Brady hits A.B. for the touchdown. And I knew then I was like, all right, this game is actually over now. Like I knew at that point right then, I was like, Kansas City's not going to be able to score. Because you had seen their first few drives. They couldn't move the ball. But after that, yeah, they couldn't They couldn't do anything on offense. To be Mahomes honest, was if the I was ball there. Mahomes was getting the ball there. Yeah, he, he was. He was drives. making some crazy passes, though. Like, the running this, was the frust- non-existent. this was the frustrating thing I dealt with was talking with some, some buddies that are all Patriots fans and, and lovers of Tom Brady. Um, so naturally wanting the Hold on. The way you said that, though, you sound like a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm not a okay. hater. I, right. I got I got respect. Tom Brady's the goat in my eyes. But um, in football. In, He's in been football. the goat. Well, so all right, that's a different conversation in terms of goat greatest athlete of all time or greatest of all time. But he's the goat. He's not the greatest, greatest athlete of all time. He, th- thank not you. even close. Perfect. Perfect. Even thank close. you. So he's goat football. <laughs> Who said but that? My, I was going to say people people like to pit Tom Brady and Mahomes together because Mahomes is supposed to be the up and coming. And so because these guys saw it that way, every chance they got to shit on Mahomes, they did. And my point to them was that given his situation, I don't want to make excuses, but given his situation, he played terribly. He didn't play well. But when he was making plays, his receivers and other players didn't make the plays. You know, there was one where he hit a dude in the face mask on in on, in the end zone. <laughs> it's like, what, what more do you want? The other play where he's running to the left and as he's falling, throws a ball almost perfectly in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. It wasn't really catchable, but just the precision in that is like, like the man was doing what he could. I, he doesn't get a pass from me. He lost the Super Bowl. He played poorly, but I, I didn't like how people were like building up Tom Brady by shitting on Mahomes. Like, and that also, I, I don't want to say that that Tom Brady stole their hearts. The refs stole their hearts. Like, no, we're not nah. doing careful, that. Careful, no, I'm not careful. 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 Yeah. Don't, don't do that. that. Careful. Careful. I'm being serious, yo. Tom Brady didn't careful. steal it. Yo, the refs gave him two plays in a row. That was just uh, like a layup. But bro, who, who, was, who, was, who was the guy that Tom Brady was going after? I'm just saying that affected the game. That who, was the, who, was the, who was the guy that Tom Brady was going after? He had words. Tyron like, Matthew? Tyron Matthew. He, yeah, he got in his head. I'm contesting the point of the first quarter. He did not steal their heart in the first quarter. That whole first half, the refs were fucking up. I'm not saying that's why they lost the game, but the, ref, the, the refs, the flags that were being thrown? I'll give you that. It was one-sided. Like, I'm saying that, yeah. that I wouldn't say... Obviously, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time in football, yeah. but and he did his thing out there. But I don't say he stole their heart. I mean, but, but, he, but the, this, this is what Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Tom Brady exploited their weak, the, their defense's weaknesses. Like yeah. he made that shit very <laughs> evident in the I first. Just wanna, I just want to make when he's doing it from twenty yards. Out. I just want to make two points before before we talk about the actual halftime show because we need to cover that too. But nobody said the same thing. It, um, two weeks ago when Kansas City played the Browns and homeboy had a head-to-head, clear head-to-head contact that caused the fumble in the back of the end zone so they lost the ball against the Browns. The Browns should have won that game off that penalty, that play alone. 
that should have been the changing point in the game because they were still in the game, and then Mahomes goes down. Yeah, it wasn't. As, it wasn't as egregious as the Saints getting the pass interference against the. That Vikings. was clear head to head. It though. wasn't egregious like, I've as never, that. But I'm just saying the refs was throwing that flag really loose. <laughs> I can walk my statement back a little bit, but the refs was throwing that flag like it weighed nothing. Careful, Z. Be, you bring up the the refs with Tom Brady. You gonna you gonna hear it from some people. Be careful now. <laughs> yeah, I don't like same, that, bro. Yeah, we can't we'll defend say, you, bro. But yo, but let's it, talk well, about. Hold on, hold on. I just want to say he is not the goat of 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 sports. He's not the greatest athlete of all time. No, it can't he's be. Even the greatest team athlete of all time. I, I want to get into this conversation, up. but we need more time. But he's a quarterback. He can't. He can't be the great, greatest of all time because he's a quarterback. For Thank me. you. We can explain that in more detail another time. But he he can be the greatest of all time football player. But yeah, we can even do that. then, that there's it's a caveat a, to that because the, 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 the quarterback position is such an access opportunity. Like you have to like they just let black people start playing quarterback. Yes. Like <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. Anyways, like Kareem said, we'll we'll talk about that later. That's Go gonna ahead, be we'll... another discussion. Yeah. We'll... But I just want to talk about the weekend Super Bowl performance. Um, I didn't think it was maybe the best, you know, actual performance of all time. But I have to give his credit because I thought it was the best production of a Super Bowl performance ever. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best pro- produced Super Bowl performance of all time. I, his performance wasn't great in it, but like, you know, from the stage setup to, you know, how the stage opened up, the the back hallway that he had and stuff, I thought it was fire. one of the, the greatest I've ever seen. Yeah. I Janet thought, Jackson? I, <laughs> I appreciated I appreciated the performance too from a production standpoint. I appreciate the music too, because I'm a weekend fan. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm if I'm not a weekend fan. Then I'm like, what the hell is he? Is he singing about cocaine right now? Like, oh, what's he? What's he doing up there? Like, I thought it was hilarious that he's saying he can't feel his face on national television on on a yeah. Super Bowl, but and all, he was holding the grow pro. Like, they had a he had a problem either not lip syncing or they had a problem with uh the mic. His mic, yeah, because it sounded low. Yeah, his mic wasn't turned up enough at all. Yeah. Cause he was hitting them notes at certain, like when he was singing and singing, you could hear him hit the notes, but yeah, when he goes low, yeah. you couldn't hear him at all. Yeah, the weekend got me through some tough times, man. Dancing lessons, he can't just. Yeah, we know. Can't just hit the Michael Jackson. Can't just hit the Michael Jackson a couple times in a row, you know. Yeah, I was kind of. But, I don't know if, if y'all thought about it, but I was kind of expecting. I don't know if you did. Maybe I just didn't notice it, but more around like kind of a social justicey kind of theme. Because I remember seeing things about him being really excited and having some really big plans for the Super Bowl. And maybe that was me just assuming, given everything that was going on, that he was going to try and do something along mm. those lines. And given last, I think it was last year, you know, Jay-Z's comments about the Super Bowl and the artists that were supposed to be in it and, and the changes there. But that, I don't know. I guess I was expecting something a little different than what. No, he wasn't going to yeah, heard there was, the I heard also there was shout underlying... Out. I heard there was underlying um, subliminals that I have, to, I have to find a video on it, but I heard there was like underlying things that he was actually doing that people just didn't pick up on. Like I saw a Facebook post that I need to go um, check up on to see what um, they were saying about it. Yeah, but, shout out to her and uh, Jasmine Sullivan too for their performances. I don't well. know why they put that white boy up there with her. That brother. shit was, was crazy. Pointless. That shit was very pointless. Just play the guitar. Don't even open your mouth, yo. Let the queen sing. And no bullshit. I honestly wish, like, at the end when he had, like, everybody on the stage, I don't know why, but I was, like, envisioning that he'd have Drake come out and perform Crew Love with all those lights. <laughs> that shit would have went crazy. <laughs> but that was just me being <laughs> being uh, uh, off. But, no, but that's the other thing, too, Moog, is that he did it all by himself. Recently, yeah. in the past years, we've seen people do two or three, three acts at once. Yeah. Why hasn't Drake done a Super Bowl yet? It's what too, is going on? Too big. He doesn't he need to. Going on in the world. Yeah. He doesn't need to. I don't, he don't know. Is that, I, don't know I, is that I want it? Why, why can't know. he just? I don't know if I'd enjoy but it. But the weekend didn't Drake. get paid for the the halftime they show. Stopped, they stopped. They stopped paying them. They stopped paying them. I think around like that. Missy when Missy Elliott sales went all the what way up? back up. Like people were like, "Who's Missy Elliott?" And it's like, <laughs> "Come on, guys." The, they noticed how much money that these artists were making <laughs> after just doing the uh, 
so after doing the halftime show. So then the Super Bowl was like, why should I pay you? You pay me. Exactly. Mm. I, I heard he spent like seven million the on the production, though. His own money too. Yeah. I imagine if you tracked their um, YouTube videos before and after a performance, you would probably see a pretty big uptick in uh, their views just because you hear a song, you're like, oh, what song is that? You YouTube it, Google it, and then boom, you know? So I can see where there's a lot of incentive for artists just to put up their own money to be in the Super Bowl to get that that publicity. Yeah, it's it's iconic. Yeah, there was also some beef, too, between the Grammys and and the weekend because the weekend didn't get nominated for the Grammy. And uh, he had a really good year this year. And uh, what's being said is that he had a choice. The Grammys gave him a choice, either perform with us or perform at the Super Bowl. And he went with the Super yeah, Bowl. Super Bowl. The, the Grammy committee didn't nominate him for anything. Damn. Yeah. The Grammys are stupid that's anyway, salty. though. That's a, that's a conversation I'll have at another time. That is a time. conversation. Matt Lamore has a Grammy for best rap album. So, uh, you know. That, that shit is nuts. Over Kendrick, over Good Kid, yeah. Mad City. Yeah, the, the album that year that he won it over. So I would say nothing was the same was that year. It was it was a bunch of shit that shouldn't have been passed by Macklemore just because he had a song about being openly gay. All I'm saying. Shopping at thrift shops. Exactly. He won it because of the song about being openly gay. Let's be complete. Let's let's call a spade a spade. It's a, I'll give it's a good song, but let's call a spade a spade. That is exactly. He's why not even he gay. That's the funny thing is he's not even gay. Yeah, he just made a song saying it's okay to be gay, even though I'm not gay. It's like, <laughs> oh, I I didn't need your permission, but thanks. Exactly. <laughs> did Logic did Logic get a Grammy? If he has one, I'm canceling the Grammy. Because I, I know he was pushing that whole suicide thing too. Like, can you can you clarify <laughs> those statements, Shiz? He was pushing that suicide hotline. I'm sorry. Thank you, thank you. Suicide, suicide hotline. Suicide song. hotline. Yep. Thank oh, you. suicide hotline. I'm sorry. Yeah, he said he wanted to kill himself because he's biracial or something. Yeah, he was pushing that envelope a lot. Yeah, he's speaking on mental health. That's what a lot of a lot of people are doing now. Yeah, now he's, he's doing he's he's on. Well, all right, fellas, we, we our time together is concluded for the day. You can find us at. I don't even remember our socials. <laughs> Edit point. It's something in the link in the description. Underscore, <laughs> something underscore off the rip, off the rip, asterisk pod, something. We'll put the link in the description. We'll put that link in the, in the bio. <laughs> Anyways, y'all just subscribe, download, do whatever. Apples, iTunes, oranges, Spotify.